A lot of leaders and innovators talk about disrupting healthcare, but what does that really mean? And how does one actually do it? On Life-Centered Healthcare, we dive into these questions and more, talking to innovators who are leveraging Clay Christensen's theories to transform our healthcare ecosystem. I'm Ann Summers-Hogg, Director of Healthcare at the Clayton Christensen Institute, and I hope these stories help inspire you along your journey to transform health and care. Hello, listeners. We are back in the studio today to continue our series on healthcare leadership. Today, I'm excited to welcome Jamie Tynan, Principal, Healthcare Services at Corn Ferry, where she is an active member of multiple centers of excellence. Previously, Jamie was the Enterprise AVP of Integration at Atrium Health, now Advocate Health, and before that, a manager at Deloitte. As we will discuss today, Jamie is also an author and the founder of 100 by 2030, a global career initiative which aims to increase representation for women of color at the senior executive levels of healthcare organizations around the globe. Her first book, Inclusive Sponsorship, A Bold Vision to Advance Women of Color in the Workplace, was published in 2022. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me in Summers. It's a pleasure. And just as we did in our last episode with Dr. Jean Wright, Jamie and I will be discussing the schools of experience that she has encountered throughout her life and career that have positioned her to lead as a founder, a principal, an author, and more. And if you haven't listened to that episode, I'd encourage you to go back, listen to it for a good background in the concept of schools of experience, and then come back to this episode so you can learn from Jamie. So without further ado, Jamie, let's jump into it. Listeners know that I like to start with why. Could you share why you founded 100 by 2030 and what you hope to achieve with this initiative? Yes, yes. I love talking about this. And I think starting with why is important. So so for me, when I was thinking about my career and specifically those moments that you have that really life changed how you thought about yourself as a leader, as a person, as a whatever you identify yourself to be. I go back to the moments where I felt supported and sponsored by others. And I remember in my career, I was in my one of my first leadership roles and I had someone who had been a mentor to me for a long time, a great coach, someone that I could really lean on. I felt like they were in my inner circle and giving me lots of really great lessons and advice. And I was dealing with a situation at work where unfortunately I was feeling bullied by upper management. And I remember picking up the phone, calling my mentor and saying, hey, you know, I'm going through this experience. Like, what would you do in this scenario? And this person was in a role of leadership, very senior to the organization, listened to what I had to say and then said, you know what, I believe so strongly in you as a person, as an executive, I want to create and open a door for you. She was able to take me out of that situation, put me in a brand new role in the organization, giving me space and visibility with other senior leaders. And within less than a year, I got promoted to my first vice president role. And when I was talking to several colleagues of mine about this experience, they said, you know what, that's what sponsorship is, right? Going beyond just the coaching that mentorship provides and finding someone that's really willing to put their name behind you and open doors for you and take action for you in your career. And I remember also talking to a lot of my colleagues about, well, have you ever been sponsored? And they said, I don't think I've ever had that experience. And they tended to be women that looked like me that were women of color. And I said, oh my goodness, we've been talked to about the mentorship aspect and finding a mentor and never 
having experience or exposure to what sponsorship is. And I wanted more women of color to have that experience. So I said, well, it has to start with me, right? I can't go out there and talk about sponsorship and be telling everybody else to do it. And I'm not doing it myself. And I said, well, what type of bold goal would I set for that? What would be something meaningful that I can really use my network for? And that's how 100 by 2030 was born. I said, if I just took 10 years, sponsored 10 women of color each year, I mean, just imagine the impact that would have on their professional careers. So I launched that in 2020, right when the pandemic happened, and it's been transformational. And since then, I've been able to sponsor almost 60 women of color to sit on boards, to get promoted, to change jobs. It's been really fulfilling to watch them experience sponsorship for themselves. So that's really my why is having that experience and wanting to share it with others. Wow, that's incredible, Jamie. Not not only the the background story, but also that you've already sponsored 60. Yeah. So you're not even halfway to 2030 and you're already halfway over your goal. So way to go. And also I would expect nothing less. So <laughs> kudos to you. Okay. So thanks for sharing that background. When we think about your career as a leader, you shared, you know, your sponsorship experience and how this leader really took action to support you and how you want to do that for others. What are some other experiences throughout your career that have helped you to build the skill sets required to succeed both as a founder and as a principal at Corn Ferry? I think the biggest experience that I had was being a manager for the first time. That I think if you ask a lot of executives, they will say that is the moment where, again, you're going from being like an individual contributor doing work well on your own to then being responsible for other people on your team and their performance. And that requires a different level of thinking. It requires a different skill set. It requires different like mental fortitude to now be responsible for a team. And the first time I became a manager was actually at Deloitte. I had been a senior consultant for a couple of years. I was doing great work and then got promoted and elevated into being a manager. And not only did I now have you know, responsibilities around a team, but I also now had responsibilities for managing client relationships. And I think becoming a principal now, all right, when you're in consulting, when you're dealing with clients and team members, being able to you know, understand how to develop relationships and connect with clients and be able to deliver great work, but then manage the performance of others and be responsible and accountable for their performance was the role that I feel like I was least equipped for, but was the best on the job experience because you will make mistakes managing people for the first time, but you will learn so much and so quickly around just the responsibility of managing others and then managing clients as well. I think that was the one, the one role that I always remember that really changed my perspective on being a leader. Wow. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. It's interesting that you pointed to the first management experience, like the first time you were responsible for others. Do you think it was because of the change between being an individual contributor and being responsible for other people? Was it the number of things that had to change? You mentioned you aren't just responsible for individual, but their outcomes and their growth and also relationship building with clients and things like that. Is there something about that experience that you can point to or was it was it all of those things? Well, I think it was all of those things, but there is a specific experience around having to deliver my first performance review to a team member because you're now giving feedback to someone on their performance. And we all know that feedback is a gift, right? You can either either receive it or not receive it. But 
the feedback loop is so important to someone else's development. And if you don't do it well, it will be poorly received. It will be taken the wrong way. And just the the amount of nerves that I felt sitting one-on-one with a team member and having to tell them that they are either doing well or they had areas of development that they needed to focus on. I mean, talk about a humbling experience, being able to deliver good feedback. That particular experience, I mean, if you can deliver feedback well, I feel like you can do well with client relationships with your team. And so many people avoid it because they don't want to have to be in that position. So that was the one I just remember, even now I can feel my nerves like, oh my gosh, I remember just feeling like, who am I to develop, I mean, deliver this feedback and worrying about how the person was going to receive it. That was the one experience I can recall just being so transformative for me. That definitely makes sense. When you told that story, I was thinking back to the first performance review I ever gave and you you described <laughs> all the feelings quite well. Yeah. Were there some roles or experiences that you had along your journey that maybe you didn't enjoy at the time, but now you perceive as useful schools of experience, yeah. like experiences that taught you skills to help you succeed as a leader today? Probably one that comes to mind was my first role as a project manager. And I ended up getting certifications later in my career in project management, etc. But my first time being a project manager, I hated it. Like managing tasks, putting together schedules, having to go to people and tell them that their deliverables are late and trying to get things back on track. I mean, it was, it felt in a lot of ways very administrative in nature. And almost like a thankless job. You're the person that's there to make sure that the budget is on track and that you're on schedule. But I feel like that role really helped me to develop really strong organizational skills because you do have to manage towards deadlines and you have to hold yourself and others accountable. And even though it felt very task-oriented, it helped me when I had to lead my first project, when I had to now scope it and I had to explain to people their roles and then I had to create schedules. And that school of experience, I feel like having organizational skills just makes me a better leader. It helps me have clarity around purpose, but also it gives you a certain level of professionalism that I think not everybody has when you're able to be that organized. And so that was one role where I'm like, oh my gosh, I never want to be a project manager again. It just felt like I wasn't learning what I wanted to learn, but it also gave me an opportunity to develop relationships with people on the team. And you start developing those skills around building interpersonal relationships and how, I mean, once you get to a certain level in your career, interpersonal relationships is really how you get work done. It's not your title. It's not, you know, the authority that you have. It's the relationships that you have. And that role really afforded me that. That's great. I'm, I'm already noticing a theme in your, your responses around just the critical importance of relationship building and all the various aspects of that. And, and I love that. Because as a leader, you aren't a leader if people don't follow you. That's exactly and people right. won't follow you if you haven't developed relationships. So loving that thread. Is there... Maybe kind of the flip side of the question of what did you not enjoy, but now you think that was a valuable experience. Do you look back and think that, wow, there's an experience I wish I'd had along my journey that would have better prepared me to succeed in my current role? I think the one thing that I've always thought I wish I had, and this is specific to being in the healthcare industry is that I'd always been a consultant or I'd always worked in strategy. I had never really worked in operations. 
for a hospital, working right along, you know, people delivering care at the bedside. And I feel like that gives you such an appreciation for what we do in healthcare, but also how the business of healthcare is run, right? And I think sometimes when you're in strategy and you don't have that perspective, you can put together a great strategic plan and then try to have the operational team execute it. And there's this big gap between what you think in theory would work versus what actually happens in hospitals and between the four walls. And so I never had the opportunity to do like a fellowship where I got to actually work in a hospital setting and understand what you know the different roles are and the flow of patients through a hospital and what the day-to-day is like being a healthcare delivery leader. That is one experience I wish I had had. And probably another experience that I wish I would have had that would have rounded out myself as a person is actually being an executive coach. I feel like a lot of my learnings in life have been just through my experience, but being an executive coach and helping others unlock their own potential Number one, it's a huge responsibility, but number two, there's a method to the madness of being able to coach someone on their performance. And whether it's an executive coach or even being the coach of a team, like I feel like being able to inspire and motivate others is something that I wish I had had that experience. Because people, as leaders, people look to you for that inspiration and they look to you for guiding them. And I feel like being a coach is super helpful in really honing that skill set. So between working in operations in a hospital and then being like a coach or an executive coach. I feel like those are two where I would have loved to spend some time and really hone those skills. Awesome. That makes me think of something we used to talk about in innovation at Atrium Health in terms of crossing the O gap, the operations gap. And you're right. It's so you can build the plan. You can, it can be a beautiful strategy on paper, but really understanding what it looks like to implement it within the operations of the system is, is a critical school. Absolutely. What do you know now? that you wish you'd known on your first day as a founder or your first day as a principal? Oh, that's a really good question. So many pearls of wisdom that you know now that like, again, on your first day, you're just like, wow, I wish I'd known. One, I would say it's a marathon. It's not a sprint, right? And I feel like sometimes you can set unrealistic expectations for yourself in you know, achieving your goals, And that it's okay to take longer to get to that destination. It's about the journey. It's about the learning. And I thought stepping into being a founder of 100 by 2030, that number one, everyone would understand it. Number two, that everyone would gravitate toward it. And I had to do a lot of education up front. I had to spend a lot of time with people to explain kind of, again, my why. Why am I talking about sponsorship? Why is it important in business to have sponsors? Educating people on the difference between mentorship and sponsorship. Why am I even focusing on women of color? I mean, there were so many conversations I had to have up front to educate people. That is one thing. So just being patient with becoming a founder and being patient with the learning experience and the educating that you have to do. I think in stepping into my principal role, and again, this role is in large part, you know, business development, but also delivery of work, is that, again, relationships do take time. You have to plant a lot of seeds. Clients aren't going to immediately want to purchase something from you. You have to, again, develop those relationships. Um, And it comes back that theme around, you know, 
So like, I, I can't go to Ann Summers and expect her to work with me if we don't have the connection, right? We have to have some sort of common linkage together to build that trust so that she feels that I can deliver work for her. And I think on my first day of being a principal, again, sometimes you think I've got this great title, people are just going to want to work with me. And it does require you to be humble and plant those seeds and spend time really nurturing that relationship. I think those are the two things, that whole concept of success takes time. And it's okay if it's not immediate. I mean, I've read so many articles about actors, actresses, people in business that have had success later in life. And it's because they've taken the time to get it right, to develop their own point of view, to share that point of view with others, and then to become a magnet for others. And it takes investment in yourself, but patience to be able to get there. So I think those are the things that I've learned that I wish I had known when I had started. That kind of dovetails in into my next question which is some of our listeners aspire to be founders, their own companies, their own initiatives, much like what you've done. And what are the top three experiences that you would encourage them to pursue in preparation for the founder role? You mentioned some things you wish you'd known that you know now, but what about experiences maybe to to learn those skills? One, I would say, you know, being a founder can be very lonely. It can be a very lonely experience. So starting to create your own community is extremely important. Finding other founders, and there are so many different ways to do it, particularly if you're in the startup world, there are incubators, there are accelerators that will introduce you to other founders that are going through that same experience. You'll be surprised at how much you learn by learning from other people going through the same journey. And you won't feel as alone because it can be very lonely going through that whole experience of starting something brand new. And I think that is one that is really important. The other thing I would say... I can't stress this enough and we don't talk about it enough in business is make sure that you are taking care of your own mental wellness and creating a mental wellness practice because being a founder is very much a grind and there are going to be peaks. There are going to be valleys. One day might be you be on such a high because you've been able to land a client and then something can happen the next day and completely wipe away all that emotion, that positivity that you felt. So taking the time to really find what brings you joy, what helps you accelerate that sense of calm, that sense of purpose, and that mental wellness is absolutely key. And I think sometimes we don't put enough emphasis on it because we feel like we don't have time for it. Even if you just took like, what is it, 5% of your day, 10 minutes a day, just to have some sort of wellness practice. And again, I tell people, uh, I mean, whether you're into meditation or not, sometimes for me, it's turning on Real Housewives and escaping for 10 minutes. Whatever it is that is your wellness practice, make sure that you do it and do it consistently. So I would say that is another one where as a founder, you really need to have like time for yourself. And then the last thing I would say, the third thing around kind of set of experiences is it's important to experience failure. It really is. Again, sometimes we get so obsessed with success and we don't understand that the most successful people have failed over and over again and that it's okay to fail. It's okay to not, for your product to not be successful because you're going to learn like how to manage that. You're going to learn how to change that product to really achieve what ultimately you want it to. And sometimes when we have failures, we get so low. And instead of having that feeling of failure, change the perspective 
to be more of a feeling of learning, right? It's not a failure, it's a learning experience. But I feel like a lot of times people get, again, so enamored with success that they don't realize that the learning and the growth is actually in the failure. I think those three things, I mean, I can't tell you how many founders have said that they've actually learned so much more and became a better person, a better leader, because they had something that epically failed. And then they had to pick themselves back up, pick their team back up and move forward. So I would say those would be the top three. I love that. It, so it was uh, create your own community, take care of your mental wellness, and don't be afraid to fail because yeah. you're going to learn a lot from the failure. I love what you said about taking care of your mental wellness because being a founder can be a grind. And I was reading a Fast Company article earlier today. It made the observation that illness starts with an I, but wellness starts with we. And why don't we as really a society make wellness more of a congregate effort? Yeah. Why isn't it more of a collaborative approach? It's all about you know one you as the individual trying to be individually well. And so I love that you actually started with create the community and then went on to the mental wellness piece because I would imagine having that community is a huge contributor to mental wellness. Absolutely. Those are three great things. The last question that I have for you and to close our conversation today is, is there a question I didn't ask you that you wish I had? And if so, what is it? And what's the answer? I love that question. We ask that question a lot in like talent interviews. Like we always end our interviews with, what do you wish I had asked? Maybe, you know, you at the very beginning, you talked about my why. It would have been interesting to ask, you know, where I gain inspiration from or who inspires me, right? I feel like you learn a lot because everyone has either that one person or that set of people that has really inspired you and motivated you. And as leaders, we don't often reflect on, okay, where did you get your inspiration from? That would be one. And if I could answer that question, I'd be happy to. Yes. So my inspiration actually comes from my mother, who, the, and the reason why she's been so inspirational in my life is because she was the person that really inspired me to get into healthcare. Because as a patient, she had experienced just so many different heartbreaks in the relationship with her doctor. She was type 2 diabetic. She also had a lot of heart issues. And I remember being at Deloitte, trying to figure out where I wanted to major, right? Majors and minors in consulting. And she was experiencing with her primary care doctor going through the diagnosis, but also seeking treatment. And I remember coming home from school one holiday season and she asked me to pick up her prescription for her insulin. And at the time my mother was on a very limited income and her insulin was like $700 for the month. And that was a decision for her on whether or not she was going to get her medication or she was going to pay her rent for that month. And so that was the light bulb where I said, why on earth should anybody have to make that choice, right? What is wrong with healthcare? What is so broken that we actually have to make those choices? And that and was, it's not unique, yeah, right? Not That's unique. not unique, which is awful. Yeah, it's not unique. And you hear today about the prices of drugs going up and the, price, the cost of care going up. And that was really the moment where I said, if I really want to make an impact, I should think about moving into an industry where I could combine my business skills, learn about the industry and try to make a positive impact in how we set strategy and how do we focus on populations that need it the most. And so if it wasn't for her experience, I don't even think I would have been in healthcare for the past 15 years, right? Um, And having that personal connection is so key. And so that's how my inspiration has come to wanting to work in the healthcare industry. Thank you for sharing that story. And 
I'm grateful for your mom's inspiration because it's why we cross paths and it's enabled you to make the the splash that you are making and will continue to make in healthcare leadership. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that story and and big thanks to your mom. Thank you. Jamie, it has been awesome to be chatting with you today. Even though we used to work alongside one another, I feel as though I've learned more from you in in this conversation than maybe I did in in our meetings back at Atrium Health. But thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your guidance. I'll just take a couple couple seconds to recap some of the lessons learned, I hope that listeners will walk away with today. First thing is, if I had to summarize our conversation in a sentence, I would say leadership is about connecting to people. Because I heard you say so many things about as a leader, you have responsibility for others and relationship development is really the thread that runs through all of it. Whether you are a first-time manager, principal in a consulting firm, or a founder of your own initiative or company. That means giving feedback well. It means telling people they might not be on track, what you learned in your first project management experience. But that builds interpersonal relationships. And those are critical for leadership success. Another part of relationship development that you mentioned was the role of humility and the investment of time in building connections and relationship with other people. You mentioned that we have to be patient both in developing relationships and with ourselves as founders. You talked about the role of coaching and how that really can't be overlooked. It's critical for relationship development and is perhaps an experience people should pursue if they seek to be a leader. You also talked about creating your own community, about investing in your own personal wellness, and maybe those two are tied together, and not to be afraid to fail. We also mentioned the importance of minding the operations gap, getting that operations perspective if you're more on the strategy and innovation side of healthcare. And you really hammered home the point about sponsorship which is that taking action on behalf of others is more than just being a mentor, but being a sponsor and really making the space for others to succeed. So thank you, Jamie, for being here. Thank you for following the inspiration from your mother all those years ago to come into healthcare because you are making a difference and I'm excited to watch the journey. So thank you, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. This was great. Thank you for listening to Life-Centered Healthcare. If you like what you heard, please leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. And for more of the latest in healthcare, check out our website, christiansoninstitute.org. You can sign up for our newsletter and read our latest industry insights. Until next time, have a wonderful day, everyone.